welcome to Y11 Audio. I'm Alex Alvarado, and thank you for listening. This is Ipsland's College Football Podcast from Ipsy11.com. It's Saturday. That means we're having a conversation with Justin, my old friend. Uh, you've heard his voice before. If you listen to this podcast, you definitely heard him a few times already. Today is February 3rd, which means if you're looking at the clock, that's right you'll see that there are 210 days until EMU football starts off again. It's going to be a long time, but hey, tis the offseason. And as you know, you know, time moves on. We We already had a nice big snowfall earlier in this week. A lot of that snow has, as I'm looking out my window, melted. It's been melting all week. It lets you know that this offseason is going by. We still have... Some off-season to go. We still have some, what is it, hot stove conversations to to have, right? I guess we can bring that back because water cooler conversations are less of a thing post-COVID. Uh, hot stove? That's I think hot stove's making a comeback, right? Ever since COVAC? Ever since COVID? I'm not editing that out. Me and Justin, we hang out. We talk about... You know, some of the biggest topics in the back. Last time we talked, it was about the Buffalo opening as Maurice Linguist left for Buffalo. And we just kind of pondered, you know, what was, you know, what do we expect? Like, what do we want out of, you know, Buffalo is going to pull a rabbit out of the hat, but how are they going to do it? What kind of rabbit are they going to look for? You know, we had our conversation before on it. You can go back and listen to some of the things we said. Um, I'll remind you right up front. As you're about to find out uh, after I'm done with this stupid intro, uh, Justin, who I didn't agree with at the time, uh, I hey, I won my bet, right? If we were playing cards, if we were playing some poker, and you know the pot was based on whatever our takes were, I I won a pretty pretty big pot right there. Though neither one of us really assumed that Pete Lembo would be coming back to the MAC, or if they or if we were gonna think that, we didn't think it was gonna be right now, but. I guess that's on us. Uh, USA Today, they ranked a bunch of the hires. I didn't really look into it, but apparently they ranked it as the number six hire of this coaching cycle, which you know says a lot about the job that Buffalo did to bring back Lembo, who has done a really good job in the MAC. Um, if you're as old as me, you will remember the the jobs that he did um, at Ball State from the 2011 through the 2015 season. Uh, he left after compiling an overall record of 33 and 29, 23 and 17 in MAC play. You know, left out of frustration, is coming back wiser, still youngish in this space. I know Maurice Linguist was actually like in his 30s, still is. Uh, Pete Lembo is 53, but I don't look at him as an old man. I don't look at 50 year olds as like old, you know, or. Even if even if that were a thing, like that's, you know, why would we say like old is a bad thing? Anyways, anyways, it doesn't really matter. He's good. He's experienced. Like he knows what he's doing. If you've read my work, you know that I think that Lambo is a great, great hire. This is an awesome. As I'll say later, this is an awesome three punch combo that this school has put together after it fired its last coach in 2014 which fired its coach after an EMU win over them. 
you know, this is a school that did its homework year after year after year, figured out how to revitalize a whole bunch of sports, not just football, but it's a whole big sports scene that Buffalo really, really built up. And thanks to a lot of basketball success, um, not that it just stumbled into it, like they worked for it, right? Buffalo worked its way to get one of the best coaches in Division Three history to build up some of the infrastructure when things were looking really bad. Then after he left at a really weird time, Maurice Linguist came in, inexperienced in his own right as a head coach, but had the know-how, had the com- had the the communication highways to establish better recruiting at Buffalo, right? It was a program that should have never left. I shouldn't say should have never left, but should always be keeping development from lower level recruits and all that stuff. That's always going to be important at schools like Buffalo, right? But if you can improve on the recruiting, you know, if you can recruit at a level that the school's never seen before into a school that's better equipped and smarter about developing, you know, younger talents into brighter stars on the football field. You know, there's some potential there. Didn't work out football wise for the first time coach. However, this is now a program that has better walls than it was, you know, than it, than it had 10, 12 years ago. And the attraction from the high school level is certainly there. You know, I look at Pete Lembo like a really, really great chef. Where you can put him in a really tiny kitchen with not a lot. He's going to make you an incredible dish. And it doesn't have to be just a simple little omelet, but Pete Lembo knows how to cook. This is all analog, right? Does he need all the big gadgets? Does he need all the finest tools? Does he need the air fryer? Does he need... You know, all these things. Does he does he need all like the next things that Costco's trying to sell you? No, not really. I mean, it's it'd be nice to have, but you know, what's wrong with this cast iron? He knows what the hell to do with cast iron. He he's done whole Thanksgivings on that thing. All right, all right. Well, you know, the stakes are the stakes. You know, if if I need to have a better kitchen, so be it. So be it. I need to figure out how to get a better kitchen around me so I can have, you know, the success that I want in this world. Lembo Lembo will cook you an incredible dinner in a giant kitchen or in a really, really tiny one. So I'm excited to see what Lembo prepares as a head coach now. Now that he's 10 years smarter than he was 10 years ago, right? He left out of frustration. He's coming into a system that he knows what he's getting himself into. Ball State's not a moneyed program. Ball State's not, you know, financially equipped to do what FBS football, high-level FBS football says you need to do to swim. You know, will Buffalo ever get there? I don't know, but at least they're more efforted. They're a more efforted program financially than Ball State is. 
I don't want to say that's for a lack of care or whatever, you know, but to a degree, yes, it is about care because Buffalo certainly cares more. I just don't want to say Ball State doesn't care. That's that's just there's too much money wrapped up in there. It's not as much as everybody else in the world, but it's way more than like hundreds of other schools have like put forward to their football program. So I don't want to say Ball State hasn't cared. Ball State could have settled to be a Division three school that's playing in the MIAA. And if you know me personally, that's not a slight to the MIA. I used to cover that conference. I have a lot of love for the the oldest conference in college sports. Or wherever, you know what I mean? Like Ball State could have been D3 if it wanted to. But that's not the case. For all of Buffalo's efforts to finally land Pete Lembo, who did a great job at Ball State, man. There's no reason not to expect Buffalo to be one of the premier MAC teams heading into 2024. If you thought they were going to be any decent underlinguist, of course you're thinking that Buffalo is just going to take it up so many more notches. And so it's just, you know, it's just one of those funny sentences that we're going to look back on as the history books like kind of build itself up. The big question is, well, the big certainty plus the big question. This is something that I read uh, from like a Pete Thamel article pretty recently that, you know, there's two guarantees in college football that all of college football is heading to its biggest collection of changes in 2024. The other guarantee is that nobody knows what it's going to look like. Part of building out what 2024 will look like is how these rosters and coaching rosters are constructed, how they've moved around. Some of the conversation and a large part of the conversation of how coaches have moved around in this offseason, the most interesting offseason of our lifetimes, probably ever, which of course included Saban, Pete Carroll retiring at the NFL and college levels, not respectively, but you know what I mean? Uh, and then Bill Belichick, who got fired, whatever, and isn't getting an uh, an NFL job right now. Crazy. Between those, college sports just changing entirely over the past few years, plus playoff expansion. Playoff expansion is what motivated Maurice Linguist to take the job that he did. Not that he wasn't qualified before, obviously. He was hired from the Michigan job at the same title that he has now at Alabama. But still, like, he's not stupid. Like, he knew it was expanding. He knew what the assignment was. Maurice Linguist, because of playoff expansion, was motivated to get himself here. I don't know Pete Lembo's whole story. I don't know Pete Lembo's motivations to get back into the Mac. And I don't know Pete Lembo's motivations to get back into the Mac right now. But I think he's smart enough to know where the Mac's headed or where it could head. And I think he's smart enough to know what the SEC, what South Carolina, what hanging on to, you know, somebody like Shane Beamer. uh, This isn't commentary on him. This is just general, like, hey, he's an SEC coach. You know, you can probably travel with anybody at this point, right? It seems like obviously at some point where Lembo, I'm sorry, where Linguist is at right now is 
where he was kind of always going to end up at again. Could you say the same about Lembo? Right? If Linguist is smart enough to know the room and know that, hey, I want to be in the field that regularly competes in the playoff. Right? Those are part of my goals at my age. What were Lembo's goals? Was coming back to the MAC or some sort of G5 level program as the head coach? Was this was this the goal and how long has it been? Because I don't think that this is like a new consideration for him. This is this had to have been on his radar for mm, ever since he left for Maryland and took that pay cut. As a fan of this conference and as a fan of just lower level football, don't take that as a slight, please. I love this, man. I am so, so excited to see that Lembo gets to do what he's great at at this level again. It's going to add a lot to this competition. It's going to add a lot to this conference. And it's been desired. It's been missed. And it's it's needed. It's needed. So those are my thoughts on it. Obviously, we're just going to keep talking about it as soon as I'm done with this intro, which is going to end in, I promise, uh, 14 seconds. So thank you for that. Uh, I'm, you know what? Screw it. We're going to not even 14 seconds. We're going to stop it right now. Me, Justin, let's go. It's me again. It's Justin Coffin again. And you know what that means? I've got, I'm stuffed up again. So I've got my humidifier again, sounding like this. I don't know if it's the weather's fault or if it's Justin's fault, but Justin, I think I'm going to start blaming you. That's fine. I'll take it. I'm built for it. Hey, that's a, that's a great segue. That right there. Great segue. You know who else is built for it? You know who else is built for like this time, this, I don't know, this area, I guess. Pete. Lembo. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Pete. A lot of time in the South and decided, you know what? I got to get back to my roots in Buffalo. Um, so Justin, I know we're podcasting like, like not in the same room, which sucks because I made you some food. I don't know if you ate already, but I made you some food. I made you a big plate of crow. (laughs) Would you like to eat it? Would you like to eat it because of, uh, after the last, last time we talked about Buffalo's job opening and what it might have, you said, uh, don't get anybody that wants to be here for a long time. Just a just maybe a good time. Well, hold on. I'll eat that crow if Pete Lembo's not moving to another job in four years. Then I'll gladly eat it. Um, I think where I misstepped was saying that like you want to hire somebody who doesn't want to be here necessarily, not like maliciously, but like just has ambition. And then I also specified that that person had to be young, or at least implied it, and that was my fault. Pete Lembo's only fifty three years old. So theoretically, if he does a really good job in the next four years, like why couldn't he go somewhere and be a power five head coach for another 10, 15, right? What um, is power five in three years, though? But that's a conversation for another day. Fair. Trajectory, let's, I'll try to like stay focused with that. Do we even think that Pete Lembo wants that? Like, because you know me, like, if I'm. A Mac, if Alex Alvarado is in charge of a Mac school and I am the athletic director or the power that be, right? I'm looking for guys that get my personal stamp of approval, which gets a capital B and a capital D when I say that these guys have to be built different. And like you've heard, you've heard me like beat this drum over like 
years. And Pete Lembo is one of those types. And it that means that you have to find a coach. It means a lot of things, but one of the things that it means is that you have to find a coach who knows or appreciates the sweet spot of his game is right here. It isn't going after, you know, being like a, a small shark in Indiana or Purdue or anything smaller than that. It's right here. It's right here in the Mac. And Pete Lembo, last time he came to the Mac, he didn't know what he was getting himself into. This time he's like, hey, 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 I am way wiser than the Lembo you saw before. And I wanted to stay here. Believe me, I wanted to stay here. But now I'm just like way smarter than you ever thought I could be. And I'm here to just wreck shit. It's a fantastic hire. Pete Lembo is was a better Mac football coach than you remember. I mean, we probably remember him as being good, but I'll just um, from my own side, like I remember when Pete Lembo left and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And he did have consecutive pretty bad years. But when they were good, they were real good. Do you remember what the final score or the or the outcome of Pete Lembo's very first game with Ball State was? I do not. I'll let you know that it was a win for Ball State, and I'll let you know that the final score was Ball State 27, Indiana 20. Like, how is that an introduction for you? You are a guy who, when you get hired in after five years at Lehigh and after five years at Elon, which already is like kind of an interesting like resume builder as a 30-year-old guy at his time to go from first-time FCS coach for five years to FCS coach at another, you know, at another conference for five years, you know, brings two, two schools to like good prominence at their, you know, at their spots, tries out Ball State because, hey, it's more than what I got before. It's not much, but it's more than I got before. And I'm not a guy that needs much. Uh, Look up at the rest of my competition. Oh, crap. I actually need more just to compete. It's not a me thing. It's a them thing. But I want to be here. So I kind of figure some things out. Did some things well at Ball State. In 2011, he goes 6-6, six 4-4 and 4-4 six, four and four in conference play. Doesn't go to a bowl game. Second year, the only two MAC losses that Ball State has are the two are to the two teams that go to the MAC championship game. 2013, uh, oh, also that 2012 year brings uh, Ball State to its first ranked win, I don't know in how long, probably in school history. Its first ranked win over Toledo. 2013, they go 10 wins, so that's its best year, best season uh, in modern memory, right? Yeah. Loses a huge, well, huge... Th- unless you consider 2008 NIU. modern, but like, yeah. Sure. If I was in high school at the time, Justin, as like a frame of reference, that's, that's pre-modern. <laughs> I agree with that. Sorry, Brady Hoke. <laughs> 2013, primetime action. Uh, loses to NIU in one of the best games I've ever seen. Uh, but if not for running into like the best Mac players since hmm. Jordan Lynch was he was the best Mac player since who at the time? Probably since like Randy Moss, considering that yeah. you know the Heisman, yeah, um, being a Heisman finalist at least. Has a great year there, but after that, things just get kind of kind of weird for Ball State. Um, five and seven in 20, 2014, three and nine in twenty fifteen. He loses his coordinators, and that's 
you know, that shouldn't be like the biggest thing in the world, but there's just like a lot that just goes into it. Uh, he finds out like it's a slow burn for him. Like he comes in with some great ideas, obviously has like really good football success, is able to get young quarterbacks going. Like there's really good football success with him, obviously, but you can only do so much for so long at Ball State. And that's not a spot where he was able to sustain success there. So institutionally, Ball State was not a school that funded Ball State or Ball State was not a school that funded football very well. Right, they're in the MAC, of course, not a lot of schools do, but Ball State isn't is just like really bad at being a MAC football team. You know, um when he got there, the only indoor practice facility he had was like not the football building. It was a building that the football team used. And it was just like 40 yards of grass. That's not something that you can really, really recruit with. Did you know that Ball State's Ball State built an indoor golf facility before it built an indoor football practice facility? I learned that from you. So that's it's funny that he's at <laughs> Buffalo now, too, because they had their own it. It. I forget what year they finally built an indoor practice facility at Buffalo, but I remember it was like comically late considering the climate there. I think it was like uh, 1819 somewhere in that area. Yeah. I I remember, I remember reading about that and being like, they didn't have one. I think even today they kind of share it. Right. I'm not entirely sure on that. Don't quote me on that. Like, I, I don't know if it's even just dedicated to football, but, or maybe, Maybe that was what it was. They built a football only one in eighteen nineteen, but previously they had had to share it mm-hmm. um, with everybody else. Um, a lot was made about Pete Lembo leaving for a coordinator job. He's like the OG of this in the MAC, and there was kind of I think in the same season the MAC had two head coaches leave to be coordinators, right? Between uh, him and Enos, separated by a year. By a year, yeah. So Enos was fourteen. He was the OG. Yeah. So Enos the OG. Um, I'd apologize to him on Twitter, but he blocked me. Then Lembo goes and that kind of set off like the same kind of freak out we're having now about college football, right? Like, oh, these guys are leaving, blah, blah, blah. There's nothing new under the sun, Alex. Consider the environment that Lembo was coaching in at that time uh, from 2011 to 2015. He probably looks around. He sees NIU hit their zenith, right? And again, plays one of the, the best games either of us have ever seen. They come up short. Um, of trying to dethrone NIU. And then as he gets towards the end, his team drops to three and nine. He's gearing up for another rebuild. And another team in his division seems to have figured out the formula again. That team being WMU, a year later, they go to the Cotton Bowl. So Lembo was right. He probably looked around and was like, I can't. How much longer am I going to have to wait? And even if I do build this thing up, am I just going to run into another buzzsaw? Because if you think if he had stuck around, even if he produced another like 10 win Ball State team, Toledo got really good at that point. They never really cracked the New Year's Six formula. But like he would have been trying to fight those that like 2017 Toledo team. And the 2016 Toledo team was no such either. So I think like looking around the landscape at, uh, at a bunch of teams that are out spending him and trying to build that up, he was like, thanks, but no thanks. Um and maybe that's not why he left at all, but that's why I would have left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like if if he was playing or coaching in like a in a landscape where things could be more equal, like there wasn't as many moving parts, like 
players and like you know the transfer portal obviously stands out where we're like he didn't have that at the time i feel like he's a coach that really thrive and this isn't like anything novel but like he really did thrive on being able to develop guys because he's proven that he was able to do that and he was able to mm-hmm. get guys productive right out of the gates as a freshman not just at ball state but like at some of his other stops too like he coached one of the best um i'm, I'm blanking on the name but like one of the best like fcs passers of all time um you know before he got to ball state it's just funny because like looking at the list of guys who you know as we talked about before Mac had coaches to be hired away, not fired and then hired as, but like hired away from their existing head coaching chairs to be assistants elsewhere. At the time, uh, you know, and still is, the list is only for Enos, Lembo, Lewis, and then Maurice Linguist. But it is just hilarious to know that Lembo, who is one of, you know, Enos, like we said, is the OG, but like Lembo is still like one of the first and one of the more pronounced guys to just do it. And the only the only one of the guys on that list they mentioned uh, that like left before you would consider job done, I guess, or like the timeline you expected to do it. I think we talked about this when mm-hmm. Sean Lewis left. You made the point that it was like, you know, if you're an administrator at Kent State and you were not planning on having to replace Sean Lewis at year five, why'd you hire him? Right. You sit in a room with the guy, you know exactly what he's about and how talented he is. Like that was on the timeline. Right. Mm-hmm. Pete Lembo was going into year five to Enos had been at Central Michigan for a little while. So it was kind of like, OK, yeah, you didn't reap the rewards of getting a guy who did really good for four or five years and then got hired away as a head coach somewhere else. Nothing you can do about it. Right. But you were still kind of on the timeline you expected when you hired these guys in the first place where mm-hmm. you're like, hopefully, if they do really well, we're having to make this decision again. And unfortunately, the decision was made for you. But like and you didn't get like big bowl game appearance or Mac titles out of the deal, but the timelines kind of added up. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, it didn't take ball. It took ball state. What? Five seasons after to win another Mac to get a Mac title. So, I mean, I think it worked out. Okay. It yeah. wasn't like, it wasn't like irreparably harmful to them. I mean, ball state definitely did. It definitely, I, I got to give ball state, at least the people who have worked there recently, like the flowers that it's due, like they've done a lot of the hard work, albeit way too late in like its life as like a college football program trying to compete in these waters. But still, I mean, at least they like put in some of the hard work and have made some of the right moves to get it done. Following up Pete Lembo with Mike new, who is still there because he's a passionate alum and like, you know, is doing okay. You've mm-hmm. heard my voice before. Like, I, I like the job that he's done. Uh, isn't blowing me away, but, you know, he's making the most of his situation. Hired Beth Getz to be a great athletic director to get the, you know, get the golf thing done, but also really get moving in the football department and has done a good enough job to climb to her chair that she's at now over at Iowa State where she's the full-time athletic director there. Um, so, obviously, she's no slouch and... Uh, could prove that she could force people at Ball State or around Ball State to take this football thing maybe a little bit more seriously. Just a thought. Uh, but what I was trying Iowa, to say earlier. Iowa as a corrective note. Yeah. Hey. Um, Iowa, not Iowa State. Did I say Iowa State? You did. Oh, my bad. Um, but it is funny that like Pete Lumbo, who left his chair once upon a time, is replacing a guy who is doing the exact same thing now. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's just at a different level, I guess, though, because when Pete Lembo left, he took a big pay cut and he was mad. Maurice Linguist, this was the plan. And he is taking a job that, like you like you smartly put last time we recorded, Justin, he kind of already had the same job just somewhere else last time. Yeah. So good for him to, like, stick the course and get a little bit of uh, grad school in. And what's also funny, just looking at the, like, just to examine a little bit more on this list of those guys, Eno Slimbo, Lewis, Linguist. Linguist is a guy who, like, I can see being a head coach again considering he, like, was a finalist for the Cincinnati job, like, last year mm-hmm. in the coaching cycle. Lewis, Young, smart, can coach the hell out of a defense. Sean Lewis only left because he did want to be a head coach and couldn't get what he wanted to because he was fighting behind Linquist. which why was he fighting behind Linquist? Um <laughs> worked out for him in the end. He just had to take a sabbatical with Dion, and then now he's a head coach out West. And he would have never taken – would. I don't know if he would have ever been able to take that job if he stayed at Kent State. Right. Or if he did, he'd be not as knowledgeable about NIL and the potential of like what's going on out there or out West if he would have stayed in Ohio. Um, so again, good job, Sean Lewis, for getting out when you had to. Lembo obviously wanted to coach again. Dan Enos never wanted to be a head coach. He was like, F- this. So it will be interesting, just looking back to Linguist, when he'll be a head coach again and where. Um, obviously he, I don't think he's going to be at Alabama forever. No one is, but obviously no, not even Nick Saban is at Alabama forever. Uh, I do want to, uh, I do want to like rehash one thing that I said in, uh, a four downs post last week. Was it last week? I don't know. Um, and it's about Lembo taking, this is how I think about Lembo taking this job because this is like, since they fired, um, Jeff Quinn in 2014. They've had two athletic directors make these hires, but but still administratively as a whole, as a logo, they did a really good job of doing a like a three punch combo with these coaches, with Lance Leopold, with Maurice Linguist, and now assuming what what we think that Lembo can do, knowing what he has done before as a head coach, you know, with Lembo. He can take, you know, I'm just going to I'm just going to read it. Uh, Leipold built and improved the infrastructure around Buffalo and Linguist was able to provide recruiting highways across state lines. Now Lembo, the guy who could always do more with less, gets to finish what they and he started working toward. You know, like this is a program that has gone to the MAC championship game against Ball State in 2008. But since that firing twice twice with Lance Leopold, 0-2 in that in that stage, which really stinks for them, you know, since that firing of Jeff Quinn. This is a team that's really, really, really building towards more. And it's not just Lembo. Lembo's a smart guy because Lembo hires a lot of really good guys. Looking at some of the coaching staff, uh, he's retained about half of the staff, uh, including Dave Patton, Dave Pattonod, the, the offensive coordinator who was just recently hired and was formerly that Temple offensive coordinator coach that I told you about. That's what he was. Mm-hmm. Some of the new hires, though, has a new strength and conditioning coach. Uh, stole Miami, Ohio's linebacker coach. Uh, young guy, Miami graduate as a non-athlete. Uh, 
special teams coordinator from Charlotte a couple of years ago, spent most of his career as an analyst. We'll see how he does. Um, but then also hired away Ball State uh, defensive line coach Adam Morris, who is also the recruiting coordinator, who also played for Lembo at Ball State. He was a team captain for the team uh, in 2011, graduated 2013. Uh, so obviously someone that knows him personally, but knows the Mac, man. Like he was, he was doing a pretty good job in the Mac. He was like Ball State's recruiting coordinator. That's a huge swipe mm-hmm. in the conference. Like you don't make those moves if, you know, if you're not trying to keep the recruiting thing going at Buffalo. I know. Recruiting was the first word out of his mouth that is like official statement about like what Buffalo is going to do. I think it's everybody's these days, but like, it seems like that's a, that's an important focus. And something we talked about last week was like, how do you keep those recruiting pipelines open at Buffalo? Like you want to hire a guy who can do that. Yep. If you can do that, the money's there. Like the desire to have a good football team is there. The recent history of having a good football team is there. Uh, it seems like a perfect match and one that I just didn't think was going to happen. I definitely saw Pete Lembo being a head coach again, but it surprised me that he came back to the Mac. Mm-hmm. But we're all better for it. Uh, I think that's enough Lembo talk for now. I do want to shift focus to the the schedules that have come out for the 2024 season. The Mac has announced the matchups for the Mac this season, next season, and the season after. Uh, they've never done that before. And there's a great reason why they're doing it now. The big reason is because they're switching to a pod system. That was already talked about the week of the MAC championship game where there's going to be four pods moving forward of three teams each. Uh, Akron, Buffalo, Kent State in one. Ball State, Miami, Ohio in another. Uh, Bowling Green, NIU, Toledo in a third. And then the directional Michigan in the mitten. Pretty easy to remember. Um, But... They gamed it out. They they pumped out the matchups, not the actual dates for all those games. Uh, the dates for the 24 schedule will be coming out in a couple weeks, but at least the matchups for the next three years just to prove that this conference can finally be one where everybody's going to see everybody. You don't have to wait very long to see every school in the conference. And so you won't go to the same Mac school twice uh, outside of like a like a like a two-year window, really. I don't know if it's a weird way to say it. But over three years, over two, three years, like you're going to see every school. You're going to travel to every MAC school if you're a participant in the MAC, uh, which is really cool and needed and an outdated problem that I'm glad is fixed. And I'm also glad that we just have these schedules out, man. I'm just glad that it gives us some February content to look at, man. We can imagine who's going to play where. But we can also see like who we have, who we don't have, some teams that we usually have scheduled on our, you know, on each of our team schedules, who we have dodged for the first time. I'm sure you, Justin, as a Western fan, are really, really glad to not see Toledo for once. Yeah, I'm pretty happy about it, and it's a, uh, I think, a benefit for for everybody in the pod scheduling because, like, I know the MAC championship games have always been a toss up, and the underdog wins a lot, and all of that stuff. Like, generally speaking, one division has always been way stronger than the other. And I wonder if this doesn't just, like, open up more windows for more teams to make runs, right? Because 
some of them might have weaker schedules than the other year over year. And you're not always like in the case of Western Michigan in any odd number year, they had to play in DeKalb and Toledo. So you could basically write WMU off in any odd number year for all time. This is a nice like switch up. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to like new rivalries building. Um, I don't know how much it's going to help with like attendance or something like that, but building more familiarity with everybody else that you're in a conference with, I think can only help. Mm -hmm. And it's an easily travelable league too. So people can get to more places more frequently if they'd like to do that as well. I am curious to like, know, and I'd have to talk to like, I don't know, probably like um, 12 people who like work in these departments to figure out like how much more are, are these or less are these max schools spending like, traveling per year just to make this work out i have to feel like it's a little bit more but not by much and i'm just I don't know, i'm just curious to know like what that figure looks like um if i'm and i know we just got done talking about buffalo a lot um if i had to pick one school and ask you know which mac school is happiest with the pods that they're in dude it's buffalo right buffalo has to be the happiest camper with the schools that it's paired with right uh yes unequivocally considering yes. how buffalo is continually getting its its stuff together akron and kent state have you know tried the trajectory of balls of buffalo is just too good to where i think like that's two good wins you can kind of bank in year bank on year on year in and year out um, Ball State, Miami, Ohio, all seems, you know, obviously Ball State's the one that's lacking there, but I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I think we're in agreement with that. Do you have any re other reactions that you want to share about these pods or this year's schedule that you kind of had in your head? No, I've been a big fan of the pods for a long time, and I know we've been talking about it for it's probably a decade now, right? Um, yeah, about least. scrapping divisions and all that. Um, not every year I mean, we've talked about it, but it's been mentioned. It's been floated. Um, and the Mac, pretty much the only rival, like the rivalry that we all knew would get left out in the cold is the one that did, and it's NIU and Ball State. But it doesn't seem like anybody even in that rivalry cared that much if it got left out. The only, Ball I, only Ball State is the one that cared. And even then, yeah. they only cared because they just started winning. Yep, and it... And NIU kind of built a natural like competitive rivalry with Bowling Green in those MAC championship appearances and Toledo for obvious reasons. So everything just makes so much sense. And a lot of these schools all played each other anyway. So it's not like it's a big change without being like a dramatic change, I guess. And I just wonder if like some of these protected games and uh, like an increased diversity in the types of fixtures that get played means that we can keep some of the games we care the most about on Saturdays. I do. I, I think that they're still going to like, I, I got to read like uh, this little blade, but I think that they're still going to rotate, you know, two in, two out weekends, weekends, week out for the four protected rivalries of, you know, two per year are going to be on Saturdays, two per year are going to be in the week weekdays. Um, you know what would help is if uh, Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky and one of UMass or UConn, it's gonna, I, I would say UMass personally, um, 
you know, if all three of you guys wanted to like come in and like make a pot of yourselves and you know, enrich the spirit a little bit, give the Mac a little bit more inventory to play with, uh, you know, that'd be kind of cool if they just joined the conference tomorrow. Um, but that's just me talking here. The one thing I don't really care about, and like, you know me, I, I'm someone who, as much as I've talked about, as I guess much i don't know if that's the right word but i don't know to the amount that i have talked about you know the idea of divisions going away would be somewhat good i don't know um as you can hear it in my voice i'm not a total believer that it's the best thing for the mac like i was i've always been kind of a fan of the east west splits just because like in season i get that it does provide a little bit more intrigue if you're in it, right? Like if you're that fourth place West team, like it gives you something more to fight for in November because the standings mathematically say like, hey, you, you might be able to make a run of here if you get your shit together over these next couple of weeks. Um, or you could like really screw up someone's, someone's season. And that someone special is your division hatred rival. Um and that might go away a little bit here if everything is just forced to like only pay attention to like the top few MAC teams since we're going by total win percentage. I don't know how many like you know like if if you if you start out so far behind, I don't know if a, a MAC school that starts out you know the year zero and four. We'll have the same fight to try to finish off four and four in Mac play without all the drama that the East West split gave us. I don't know if just forcing all the attention to making sure that we send the two best teams to Detroit is the most important thing here, considering that we're not going to look, look, look. And is this a safe space? Is this a safe space? I sure hope so, because I don't like any Mac schools chance in a 12-team playoff at all. And I know I'm not supposed to say that, and I know... Certainly I not be, now, yeah. I know I know I'm supposed to be like, no, man, I believe in you guys. I really do. I, I don't. I'm sorry. I just don't. And so if, realistically, what we're playing for in all this is to make sure we send the best Mac team to Detroit to hopefully go to the playoff if all the dominoes fall right, maybe get that first round upset. I, but I mean, is that like, yeah, is that the ceiling we're really, we're really fighting for? I don't know. Yeah, I, I know I'm, cur- talking I'm curious too, like how many, I haven't looked back at like all the Mac title matchups and things like that, but every, if you look back at every year and you're like, if we pitted the two best teams, in the conference against each other in the championship game. Like even if we just kept divisions and it was just like big 16 pods or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. If you didn't want to call them divisions, like how many years would it have just been an NIU Toledo rematch at Ford field? Right. Right. And I think the pods kind of helps that a little bit because you're going to reduce the chances that you get a rematch and you'll get two teams with very good records playing in the games. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope that all bears out. But I can't think off the top of my head of how many years. Where, like, there are years where I'm like, oh, man, you know, I wish 
there was a different team here. Like I wish Toledo didn't have to play Akron in 2017, but you know, that's Ohio's fault. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's not, there's not too many of those like that happened once. Yeah. And maybe like 2016, the 2016 game ended up being very good at Ford field, but like, and Ohio deserved that shot. Right. But I think they were like eight and four. And I think that, one of the beauties of divisions was that that Black Friday game between Toledo and WMU meant a shitload. Mm -hmm. It would have meant a lot less if they would have just packed their bags for Ford Field and played each other again a week later, a week and a half later. So we might lose some of that, but maybe we get more randomness too. I don't know. Maybe we get the opposite result. We get some team with a very favorable schedule that wins nine games and gets in. What we need is like a, like a thing that says like whoever wins in the Mac championship can take uh, four players or a handful of players or whatever from the other school. <laughs> like, uh, like, like, like little league. There you go. What about a max super playoff? We're not going to the twelve team playoff anyway, so like let's just the take the top four teams. Let's just take the top four teams. There's four pods, right? So just take the winner of each pod and then play a four team playoff. Quick lane bowl could just be the back championship. <laughs> Call it a bowl game. I don't care. All right, Justin, we have time for one more topic on this podcast tonight. You wrote down a list. Uh, do I have it right that? And I think this is the the way I'm going to spend it. Or phrase it i should why did i say spend it jesus man i'm so tired i think the premise of this is who spends more on recruiting the mac or school x right i don't know it's uh donor contributions donor contributions that's what you were that's what your list was about okay yes i'll let you introduce so, it and i'll shut up so i pulled this data from the knight newhouse college athletics database uh, i'm going to talk about this like i've always known it existed but i just found it tonight and it's the knight commission on intercollegiate athletics collaboration with the syracuse university newhouse school of public communications all of which i say so you the listener know that i'm not just pulling bullshit um so what i what this little database does is it tells you like where all the revenues come from for each school in the fbs provided they're not private and their data could be acquired by public records. Um, when you look around in that, you look at the Mid-American Conference as a whole of all 12 teams, the MAC pulled in $28.12 million in donor contributions for athletics departments. That's more than we make. Pretty cool. That's way more than we make, more than I'll probably ever make. Um, so I thought, here's a fun exercise. How many um, Power 5 schools or other schools of interest uh, have bigger donor contributions to their one athletic department that exceed the entire donor contributions to the entire Mid-American Conference. Hopefully I explained that right. So I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine schools here that I picked. And I'm going to ask you, Alex, I'm going to name the school and I'm going to ask you to say, is their donor contributions higher or lower than the entire Mid-American Conference? And then how much higher or lower? Cool. Make sense? Yes, it does. All right. So again, Mid-American Conference, $28.12 million. The first school on the list is Iowa State 
University. Not Iowa, right? Not Iowa. Okay. Not the place that Beth gets is the athletic director. No, the Cyclones, where uh, uh, they still have Matt Campbell. Didn't think he was going to last still, that long. Uh, still do. Old friend alert. Um, and don't tell him he's on the hot seat. Don't you dare. No, especially not in person. Turn him um, loose, dog. So your job is to tell me whether Iowa State pulled in more donor revenue in 2022 than the entire Mid-American Conference. I'm going to say more by uh, $6 million. You would be wrong, but you're pretty close on the gap. Iowa State pulled in $23 million in donor revenue. Oh, okay. So there you go. If the MAC all pulled together and created one football team, you would have more donor revenue than Iowa State. Congratulations. Um, The next school on the list is Michigan State University. Uh, it's gotta be like Michigan state's donors donate more by 2 million. I'm going to say they donate 30 million. You're correct that it's higher, but Michigan state pulls in $54 million (sighs) in donor revenue. I'm just saying numbers. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, now I, I would have to dig into the data. I don't know how much of that is like the Matt Ishbia stuff with the big Mel Tucker contract. Like how, because of a lot of that was like donor backed. What stuff? Which all, all of the, uh, all head football coaches are donor-backed to some degree, but that one particularly so. So it could be skewing it a little bit. I didn't look back at like past years, but yeah, big number, much bigger than the Mac. The next school, Oregon State, the Beavers. Um, Less by right. half? More. $9.8 million. Whoa. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Which is still, by the way, like considerably higher than like any Mac school. Probably like three times bigger, I think, than like WMU's donors. So like still a massive number compared to any of the schools anyone listening are fans of. All right. The next school, Auburn. Uh, oh, my. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So they donate way more. But how much? They more? definitely donate more. How much more? I'm going to say... It's less than Michigan State. I'll say it's less than Michigan State. It is. Okay. Um, hmm. They... I'm going to say... I'm going to say... 46 mil. 36. Okay. 36, yes. This is a school I found interesting. Won't tell you why, but just was curious to see what the number was, and I put it on here. Colorado State. Uh, I'm going to say less. I'm going to say that they donate 17. It's 11. Okay. But, yeah, I found that interesting. Like Whenever you look at like expenditures, like... I, oh, oh, I think oh, oh, I, oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I misspoke. Uh, by 17 million. They... Uh, they, they yeah, there the you difference go. is 17 million. Huh? Less by 17 million. You nailed it. No, and, I did it. Yeah. First try. The Mountain West, I always like in my head, I consider it like a peer conference to the Mac, but then you look at how much money they like pull in and spend, and it's like double. Yeah. No, they're so a, it's no, yeah, it's gotta respect them. A, a much a much different set of institutions. Uh mm-hmm. staying out west, Utah. Is this number higher or lower than the entire Mac? Donor contributions to their revenue uh whew. Oh, you know what 
I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I know it's I, I know the answer is one or the other, but I'm going to say the third option, which is push. See, you, our brains work exactly like on this because that's why I picked them because it's basically a push. 28.84 million. So less than a million dollars more than the Mac. But also it's one school as opposed to one conference. It's one okay. right. Keep that in mind in terms of scale. It's yeah. one school. But I yeah. was like I was trying to find schools that were like if the, what school would have an entire conference G5 conferences worth of donor contributions and Utah was one um I the love next one I was broke Virginia, as a Mac fan the, the next one I have is Virginia Tech I won't make a guess because it's a pretty similar situation 25 million it's a little bit less okay um two I would guess more honestly two more schools on the list Wisconsin Donor contributions, Wisconsin, more by two mil. Way wrong. It's only seven million dollars. Really? I, I That's to, interesting. I, yeah, I'd like to. I literally googled why does Wisconsin's donor money is so low? Like, there's something weird going on there. I have no idea what's happening there, but it seemed really low to me, and that's why they're on the list. And then the last one, Kansas. Okay. All right, that's got to be less too. That's got to be less. Correct. Correct. Um, donor contributions. I'm going to say that they receive six mil. Twenty-seven point two six million. Uh, well, okay. Remember, this is total athletics. It's not just football. So, yeah, yeah. I guess I really guess you're basketball right. team there. Oh, yeah. that is. Oh, that's right. They are a basketball school. That's right. Yep. Those exist. Well, I learned something today, huh? Yeah. Interesting, right? Don't know what it means. They're just numbers. Don't draw any conclusions, but this was fun. Thank you for listening to another episode of Y11 Audio. If you like what I do, hit subscribe. If you love what I do, all I ask for is $6 a month, and you can get it all at ipsy11.com. I'm Alex Alvarado, and thanks again.